Uh, Crossroads, welcome. Uh, our first live stream. And we are gathered here today with staff, elders, not because we're special, but because we wanted to be here uh, to just let you know that we're not going anywhere uh, during this season. And what a season it has been. Um, we're all thinking about it differently. We're all responding to it differently. Uh, but we know that what we're doing today is what God has for us. And looking at this empty room, I can say I think for everybody here that, that we miss our family. It is a joy and a privilege to be able to gather the way that we do. At the same time, it's seasons like this that historically the church has thrived. Uh, we are at our best. And this week I was thinking about a lot of things that put a smile on my face, just how God has so graciously shepherded us as a church to prepare us for where we are right now, however long it lasts. Uh, Crossroads, we are ready for this. Um, I was thinking 10 years ago when God put it on our hearts to do a series that we called God of the City. It ended up being a watershed moment for Crossroads. God used that series to shape us and to form us into who we are. Uh, the DNA that we have today comes largely from that series. Um, and, and through that, God showed us that we as a church are not here for ourselves. We're not here to build a great church. But Crossroads as a church exists for our neighborhood, our neighbors, and we exist for this city. In fact, even phrases that we still talk about that have become huge to us, like 90-10, came out of this series. 90% of, of who we are as a church, we want to be outside of these walls, outside of a Sunday morning. Uh, street corner is another phrase that came out of this series, uh, where God has placed us at our street corner that we would live 24-7, 365 for Jesus Christ. And at the end of that series, God put it on our hearts to lay down Sunday mornings for two weeks, to just really say to our hearts and to say to God that this is the kind of church we wanna be that we don't wanna just be a church that's defined by a Sunday morning, but we wanna be a church that is God's people in God's place, uh, priesting God, uh, putting God on display in our neighborhoods, our places of work, our schools, 24 seven, 365. But think about this. I, I don't know how many of Crossroads right now are, are, are tuned in. Um, but we can still gather. Uh, because of modern technology, uh, we can still gather together even though we're in our homes or wherever we are um, to worship. And so that's what we're going to step into right now. Uh, together, wherever we are, uh, to worship and exalt Jesus Christ.
Today's call to worship comes from uh, Psalm 148. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and women, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. And he has raised up for his people a horn, the praise for all his faithful servants of Israel, the people close to his heart. Hallelujah. Love it. All right, so, hey, everybody. You guys are here in the room. The staff is here. Some elders are here. And can't wait to worship with you guys. If you guys here want to stand with us, we're going to sing some songs. The lyrics can be over on that screen. If you're at home with your family, with your house church, just want to say, like Rod said already, let's step into this and, and worship this morning. So. Here we go, our raise. Our raise
take an offering, huh? Or switch, switch keys up there.
Thank you that your presence is not just uh, here with us only on Sunday mornings, but your presence is, is wherever we gather to worship you, to hear from you. So God, I pray that um, just tangibly, our, our body would be able to sense your nearness, sense the peace that you bring, the comfort that you bring. And God, we look to you this morning for marching orders also. You know, we wanna, we wanna be your hands and feet. We wanna bring your gospel uh, where we can. And so would you lead us, guide us, shepherd us, we pray. As we figure this out, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome, guys. Thanks, man. <laughs> so I have, a, I have a profession. Am I on? I'm on? Okay. Uh, I have a profession that allows me to interact with some of the most amazing people uh, from, who from all appearances are, are pretty ordinary, living ordinary lives until you kind of get close to them and you find out that there's something almost heroic, awe-spiring that's taking place in them and through them and crossroads is filled with people like this. And today I have four of those people uh, from our church body to address the issue of fear. Each of them have circumstances that have brought fear, maybe even massive fear in their lives. And we're gonna hear how how they've handled that fear, how they've dealt with it. And so, I'll take my seat here. I'm gonna start with you, Jeff, and I know your circumstances in the last year and a half with your daughter have been significant. Um, why don't you just talk to us about just how fear has played a part in that and how you have uh, dealt with it. Sure. Uh, my name is Jeff Kramers. Uh, 19 months ago, 
my then, or my now 33-year-old daughter, Caitlin, uh, was diagnosed with glioblastoma brain cancer. Um, it's, uh, it's still hard, but it's amazing. It's amazing how God has um, kind of walked through this with us. And I promise I won't cry the whole time. Um, I don't cry near as much as I used to. Um, there's no cure uh, for glioblastoma. Uh, but that's what the world tells us. And I'm, I'm a believer that through prayer and faith that Caitlin will live a long life. And there's some reasons for that. Uh, the first, when the, the fear that I've dealt with personally, and we all deal differently with it, it was more intense than I could ever imagine fear could be. Um, after the first initial surgery, recuperation, chemotherapy, radiation, you get to a point where it's like, uh, so now what am I going to do with this fear? How am I going to deal with it? Because it, it, it never goes away. I mean, every day it's, it's there. And I think, I think the great thing, <laughs> this is going to sound a little strange, but the great thing about fear is it's, it's a, it's a, it's a huge motivator. Uh, the first thing it did for me personally and our family is it drove us to pray like we've never prayed before. And in the midst of that prayer and crying out to God, um, how he has uh, revealed himself during these last 19 months has been um, nothing short of incredible, remarkable. Um, and it's in the midst of this difficult thing that Caitlin and Spence and our family is going through, um, how God has revealed himself has just been immense. And it's been a huge blessing in the garbage that we're dealing with. So the first thing my fear did for me is it drove me to prayer. And uh, what was so interesting about that is you feel uh, to a great degree pretty helpless of what you can do for your child for an incurable brain cancer. Um, but I'm a pretty driven person and um, I'm fairly outgoing. I, would, I was actively recruiting people to pray for Caitlin that I didn't even know who these people were. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would literally tell strangers the story of the short story of Caitlin and what she was dealing with. And it was amazing how many people would come alongside you and say, well, I would love to pray for Caitlin. And so I just got on this thing where I was like, I was recruiting as many people as I could to pray for Caitlin. Uh, that was just uh, a wonderful thing. Uh, the, the amount of, there are thousands and thousands of people praying for Caitlin. And so we're incredibly grateful for that. Um, I think the next thing that as you're walking through the fear that 
I've dealt with is your direct response to God still needs to be to praise him and to give him honor and glory even in the midst of what you're dealing with. And, and in doing that, uh, it gives you a renewed strength to combat your fear. And it was, that really is the greatest weapon, I think, to deal with fear, is to praise God through the storm that you're going through. Um, I could preach a whole sermon on that, but I won't do it because my wife said, hey, you only got a few minutes. Don't, don't preach a whole sermon. That's for another day. Um, at the end of the day, uh, uh, the avenue that we're pursuing now for Caitlin uh, in, in her recovery, it's very exciting. We're very optimistic about it. Doctors and uh, scientists are very in enthused about it as well. So I think God has just been so faithful in opening doors, walking alongside us, and uh, presenting avenues for us to go down that, uh, it, it, again, uh, a huge blessing in the midst of a bad storm, so. Brother. Yeah. You've been yeah. awesome. And, and, for <laughs> yeah, and um, I just, you know, wanna thank all the people um, that are praying for Caitlin. Um, not only in our church body, but people literally around the world. So. And that's where I, I was going to just call our church right now to, to pray for Caitlin, um, to make this a regular part of your prayers. Jeff, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for all that you've been uh, to this church. Um, this is what I've noticed, that when people suffer, the spotlight is, is on their lives. People just watch them. They want to know. And you have been such a shining example, pointing us to the light of Christ. And I'm so grateful for that. You've pointed my own heart. You've inspired me. Thank you. Lindsay, um, God has dropped something pretty massive in your family in the last few months um, that you guys are walking through. And why don't you speak to that and maybe the fear that it's brought up and how you guys have responded to it. Yes, thank you. Um, I just wanna say too, we're still very much in the middle of it. Um, every new sickness, every new, I mean, just what's going on, I was gripped of it with a very familiar fear, yesterday even. Um, so what's going on is, um, Two months ago, well, it was just before Christmas, my seven-year-old son um, had a suspicious lymph node on his neck. We got it checked out. It was the day after Christmas that we had a call um, with the results of an ultrasound that came back abnormal. And that, as a mom, I, I just knew. I was like, this isn't good. I just, I don't know. Like. God brought me to a very needy place right in that moment. And that whole weekend after Christmas, we were up at my in-laws and I remember just having like the first night panic attack on top of panic attack on, on top of panic attack. And um, I got out of bed and tried to read and ended up just sobbing and saying, God, don't make me go down this road. Knowing that cancer was a likely diagnosis. Um, and what I, 
and, and even in that moment when I'm begging God, don't make me go down this road, um, he, I just felt like he was like, I got you. Like, it's not about the road. It's about me and you, you know? And um, so then in January, Isaac, my, he's my seven-year-old son. He had a biopsy done and, and confirmed that um, he had leukemia. And, um, <laughs> yeah, it was easily just, you know, the most terrifying time because I, at that moment, it's like, I don't, I don't know what this looks like. I have never walked through cancer with anyone before. Um, what does this mean for my son? And just overwhelmed with fear. Um, but what God told me in the, in that time when I was like begging him, like, don't make me go down this road. And he told me like, I am in it. That is exactly what we found is that, um, God had, God was like already there. It was, it was just like crazy to see how this road of cancer, like God was like always five steps ahead of us every step of the way with putting people in our path that, um, it shouldn't have, it just made, it was unexplainable, unexplainable. People working in the hospital, the fact that I had a counselor that had been down this very road, the, um, just even the house that we live in, things like that, that was like God prepared this path and he somehow even prepared us for this path. And we got to a place where I, I just felt like I was so needy, so, so needy for God. And he just showed me what a blessing it was to need him on that level. Um, there's a phrase that I had listened to the year before on a podcast by Melissa Helser. And she had said, dependency on the Lord is my honor and not my shame. And that just kind of became a mantra where it was like, this is my honor to need you literally for like every hmm. moment right here. And it actually kind of felt, it felt like a blessing to like, to receive that from the Lord and to receive that from our community. Um, like you said, like we were people, I mean, just the fact that like most people in their life will never see the outpouring of love that we have in the past couple months, I was like, I was just in awe and just, I don't know, just amazed at the way that we were blessed. Um, and that's another thing that it made me think about like our sermon series that we had in, on the Beatitudes, like blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. It's like if you allow yourself to realize that your pain is like an avenue for blessing, you can, you believe that and you can receive it. And it's, on a, on a depth that is unexplainable that you can, you just, you just can't manufacture it on your own. I feel like you can, you can try to look for this depth of relationship with the Lord, but it's actually like a gift to need him like this and to receive it from him like this. Um, and it's just so odd to talk about blessings and gifts when your kid has cancer, but that's truly like, I kind of feel like where we've been, where, where God has somehow, and people praying for us have somehow lifted us up to have eyes for what is real and what is true. And um, it was not long ago, I was like going for a walk and I take time to talk to God while I'm doing that. And I was just asking him, I was like, is it okay for me to have hope like this? Is it okay for me to like actually feel like we're thriving and, and have this blessing when my kid has cancer? And yes, this is hard, but like, God, you're so much bigger than this and I have so much hope. Is this okay? And I found myself finally like talking myself in circles and getting around to the question of, I'm afraid that my hope is lying to me. 
And as soon as I said the word lying, um, I just knew that that thought was not of the Lord because who is the father of lies? You know, and so from then on, I was like walking to this idea of like fear is a liar, hope is a shield. And um, just the idea of like Christ in me is a hope of glory. So really what this does is it has given us like eyes for what is real, what is true about eternity. And I feel like we can so easily... I mean, this is just where we're at right now. Who knows what, where this road's gonna take us? We're two months in. But like we can so easily look at what's hard right now and get bitter and get like hard-hearted and um, mad. Um, but really, there's so much about it that kind of feels like an honor to carry this story because when I look, I know God sees the big picture because he's already gone ahead and he's shown us he's like in the future and he's there. Um, like he's creating a testimony. And I can't help but wonder like, God, what are you doing in Isaac? Like, what is this going to bring up in him? What is this going to bring up in us? And my other kids, like we've seen just, just the conversations we have, the questions they ask. There was one time um, Isaac just said, um, did God give me cancer? And I was just curious how how he'd respond. And I was like, what do you think, buddy? And he's like, I think God's the one who keeps my heart beating. And I'm like, that's it. I'm like, when you have eyes for heaven and eyes for eternity, you know that that is the heart of the Lord, that he wants healing and he wants wholeness. But we're in a world that's sinful. And when there comes to be a new heaven and a new earth, um, there's not going to be cancer. There's not going to be pain. And that's what our eyes are on. And we know that that's the heart of the Lord. And that's, um, that's where our focus is. So early on, like my husband and I felt like we're kind of kind of lead the way for how we're dealing with this. And I felt like God was telling us, like, anything I give to you is for the good of the body. Like, we're part of the body. And this story, like, it's ours, but it's not just ours. It's, it's for everyone. And so that's why we've been living it out as vulnerably as we can. Yeah. Um, because we feel like it's important to share that. Um, I didn't look at my notes. So I don't know. Well, I can that's, pick up something yeah. from that. Um, we've noticed that. Um, you've put it out there on Facebook. I'm personally not on Facebook, but my wife Libby is, and she'll be like, Lindsay just posted the most amazing, the most beautiful thing today. So when you say that this suffering is a gift, I would, would, listen, I would never, ever like force someone to believe that, but the Bible over and over teaches that. And now to hear it come from a real person, you have no idea what a gift that is to all of us. Such a gift. Thank you so much. I just want to just shake your hand. I know, I know I'm not probably supposed to spread That's germs okay. right now. John, you know, I was going to ask you um, to speak about this topic of fear from what you see on the mission field, but also knowing as a father how you've uh, had a talented, beautiful daughter in her early 20s be bedridden for almost two years because of a debilitating disease. Uh, but Jean is recovering a little bit more and more, but you guys, and now Rosa. Uh, cancer. Um, so you can take your pick from any of those three perspectives. Um, 
Yeah, as, as I was thinking about today, I, I think one of the things that I've learned from going international, and, and I want everybody to hear that Rosa and I are just normal, ordinary people that God is taking, <clears throat> excuse me, one little step at a time, and he walks us through this time. But one thing that I've noticed as I've gotten to know the underground church in the world is that we don't, in our lives here, don't have enough room to see God moving mm -hmm. in many ways. And so um, when, when Rosa and I stepped out on our own and I sold my practice and decided to really find out what God had for us and, and live a missional life, that was when I started to see him and the miracles happening and the things happening and being able to experience people that lost everything for their faith mm -hmm. and how people would come alongside of them and, and surround them in the community. So as, as I'm thinking about this virus and, and the things that we're dealing with, it's, it's an opportunity for us to see God move. Mm -hmm. It's an opportunity for, um, for us to be a part of community and mm -hmm. focus. And, that, and that's the whole thing about focusing off of ourselves and onto others. Um, one of the stories that I have is I was in the middle of the Sahara Desert in, in, the, uh, in a sandstorm and fear was just gripping me. And I began to pray and praying was, was not, not making it. I couldn't figure it out because my prayer was focused on me. And when I began to shift that prayer to focusing on others, that's when the fear started to subside. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I would encourage people to do is be able to begin to be aware of people around you and their needs. I, I see this as an opportunity for us to become community. Mm -hmm. Seeing my neighbor, that, what they need, be able to, if they have to be isolated, can I get what they need for them? And those kinds of things. So that's, that's the kinds of things that I'm learning. The other thing is, is being able to interact with the refugees and how God has uh, really worked through the refugee crisis, people that had everything that we have and lost it all and are living in tents and how they have pulled together and are able to be able to survive and, and they've lost everything. The thing that I think that we as, as Americans do is we have this thought process of, of I deserve and I think that deserving um, thought process is, is something that really takes us down in the wrong direction and Jesus if he had what he deserved, he, he wouldn't have gone to the cross. And so um, he did that for us. So I, I think, you know, I deserve to have the best health care. I had this image this morning of two people needing a respirator. And one of us, one of the believers, people that are following Jesus is going, you take it. Yeah. That's what... Yeah. That's what I think this is an opportunity. Yeah. This is an awakening time. Yep. We've been praying for revival. We've been praying for an awakening. This is our chance to have an awakening. I, I love what you just said, because what you're saying is you're seeing a huge opportunity. 
that we have as the church. And from the seat that I sit in as a pastor, being the church, doing church, it has been a very difficult thing. Um, maybe not so much in the way that we do it, but when I read the New Testament and, and what the church was and the impact it had on the world then, there's, there's a longing to get to, to get to that. And you're saying seasons like this, there, there's a huge opportunity for us. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, I, I, I was thinking of Winston Churchill a little bit because I'm an avid World War II reader um, and I've read a couple of his biographies and I don't, this may sound a little bit crazy, but when World War II started, he was literally seen dancing in the streets of London. And not that we like tough times, but my heart's dancing a little bit when I think about what the church has been historically and the opportunity that we have to be all that, that God intended when, when he established the church. Yeah, just to, just to know that in the, like in the dark ages, it was the Christians that stepped in. Yeah. And even to hear the stories in China of how the Christians have already stepped in to be able to serve the people that are, have the virus now. Yeah. I mean, this is opportunities, but also there's that attitude of gratitude that is, is really, I mean, the sun is shining. <laughs> the sun is shining. <laughs> we, yes. We're in spring, summer is coming. We have yes. so many things. Um, we are blessed in so many ways. And so how can we help to be yeah. a blessing? Yeah. Yes. And John, you and Rosa have lived what you are talking about. Um, you have let go of a lot and have stepped into just the kingdom of heaven. Um, yeah. one, of, one of the things that we've learned is that um, we're called to live a missional life. And even if we're not doing missions or going into missions, we're called to live a missional life. And so that's another thing that we can be doing now. Yeah. Okay, I may not have the softest toilet paper to use, but I'm going to be living I, a missional life and being able to be, be able to, you know, do without if I need to do without, do whatever I need to to be able to yeah. follow the Lord and do that. So yes, yeah. and even just life. watching as you guys have stepped into missional living, it, it was in that season that Gina and all that happened with her, but it didn't keep you guys from the mission field. It didn't slow you down hardly at all. Now Rosa has cancer and you're still going to Lebanon and being with refugees, serving them. Um, Thank we you. To, we had to cancel. We were supposed to leave this Friday. Yeah. So you hopefully you did cancel. Trip. Yeah. But um, we we desire God. God has put a love in our hearts for the people that we see out there. That our hearts are breaking like His break for His people. Yeah. And so um, once that starts happening, you yeah. you can't help but look at people and and be able to want to do something that. And we have this little piece that we can do for them, and that's. That's our call in our lives, and so that's what we see. As far as being able to walk Gina through what she went through, we saw God moving. And I mean, we heard stories 
God just really moves in those times of desperation. And he, we saw him and mm -hmm. he uh, ministered to us. He lifted us up as a family and provided for us. There's just no way that we could have made everything come together. We see the stories of how he's orchestrating things all behind the scenes and, and heaven is real. And it's, yeah. it, Amen. Yeah. Um, before I get to you, Chad, and just the seat that you sit uh, up there on the medical mile and just kind of sharing what God has put on your heart. Do the three of you have anything else that you would like to add? Yeah, I'd like to say just one more thing. Um, to what John was just alluring to, um, when you're walking down these difficult paths, and you're, you're praying for guidance and direction and healing. Um, in our particular situation, it was literally amazing how we could see God clearly and distinctively open doors for Caitlin, and it was clearly uh, the direction and the path that he wanted her and for us to go down. The latest thing that Caitlin is doing for uh, her cancer treatment, she had an ultrasound device a week and a half ago uh, implanted in her skull. They in inject micro bubbles intravenously. Uh, then they turn this ultrasound device on. It makes your blood-brain barrier bounce so that now all of the chemotherapy can get past the blood-brain barrier. Uh, and directly to the tumor site and the surrounding area. What makes glioblastoma so devastating is only a very small portion of chemotherapy can fight through your blood-brain barrier. Well, she uh, is the very first person in a phase one clinical trial to have this done in the United States. Mm. And um, I don't like to use the word guinea pig, but in essence, mm -hmm. somebody had to be first. Mm -hmm. But God so threw open the doors for this particular avenue for us. And not only that, but he was closing other doors as well to make the one he was flinging open become so apparent to us. So there's even times where God will close doors and make things difficult to help you better see the avenue and the direction that he wants you to take. So for our family and for Caitlin and Spence personally, um, we've, had to, we've had to learn how to sometimes get out of God's way, let him do his thing, not to, and I have a tendency to do this personally, um, not to impose any more of my will into it than what's necessary to help Caitlin and my family but to take a step back a lot of times and let God do his thing and let him show you where he wants you to go. So. Now let's be honest, that, that's what we all want as parents from our kids, right? Is, is for our kids to trust us and, and to, to know that we know more, especially in those moments where it feels to them like we're hurting them, but we're helping them. And God knows the beginning from the end and that's why he doesn't just tell us to have faith, but he tells us to have the faith of a child because he is beyond the best father there ever is 
who knows the beginning from the end. And he just tells us, I got this. I, I, I have you in the palm of my hand. Anything from you, Lens? You don't have to have anything. No, it's fine. The one thing I keep thinking of um, for me in this moment and for everyone else, I had lived years upon years um, with my emotions ruling me, believing that my emotions are what was telling me the truth. Hmm. Um, and I've learned through this, almost like a smack in the face, um, that I actually have a choice where my mind rests and that that changes things more than I thought it would. So just the idea of whatever is true, whatever is lovely, you know, yeah. think about these things. It's like I keep reminding myself, what do I know to be true today? What I know to be true today is my son just ran down a sand dune last weekend after chemotherapy. Like, he's, he's, he's healthy. I, I could forever ruminate and go down this hole of what if. Yeah. But what I found is like, even if my worst fears of a diagnosis come true, like God's there in five steps ahead. So um, setting my mind on what I know to be true right now, I, I almost, it almost feels crazy how different I feel because that was not easy for me, but it, it's, it, it's just the spirit of God and everyone praying. And I'm like, some, someone's lifting my eyes when I can't lift my own because that's the only way that I can explain the just this, the, the state of mind that I've been able to be in this whole time. Yeah. yeah, to have the strength to just, and to not, to, to really not feel overly fearful because I have a lot of reasons I could fear, but truth is, is like, I just kind of feel like, God, you're writing the story and it's going to be a good one. I can tell because every good story has twists and turns and it, it's horrible. And then it's, you know, that's, he's writing a good story and that's what I have to believe. And I just believe that we're going to see the goodness of God at the end of our story, at the end of this, this story nationally, whatever's going on, you know, and you have to believe that that's what's at the end because God says that's true. So whatever's true. Um, Again, I'll say it. Thank yeah. you so much for letting us into to this story that God's writing <laughs> in your family. Thank you. Thanks for receiving yeah. it. And that yeah. last point applies to so many things. Yeah. And that was another gift that you gave to us. I appreciate it. So, Chad, you uh, work as a nurse um, up on the medical mile. Or, well, I keep moving around on you, so I keep... Okay, uh, yep. But, that yeah. was a gracious way of uh, dealing with me being wrong. And, but uh, tell us... Uh, yeah, so I... Um, yeah, my name is Chad. I work as a nurse practitioner. So I went back to school um, and now work in family practice, kind of in the doctor's office. But did four years in the ER and then two years in urgent yeah. care um, and now working in family practice. So Thank much, you for being here, by the way, yeah. because a lot of people might not know this, but... Chad is a very, very familiar face to the kids of our church, his wife Amanda as well, and to the mothers of young children because he works in our children's ministry. And that goes back almost to the beginning. And I'm so grateful for that. And so, but. Yeah, so, you know, very much on the front lines of these things. And, you know, in myself, there's so much unknown right now. You know, so trying to figure out, okay, you know, what is our place in all of this? And I think, the thing that things that I wanted to highlight, and I made notes, so you'll see me uh, checking those just to make sure I stay on track. But um, I went into medicine 
um, not because I love science more than God, but because in science, I see a beautiful, the building box, which God used to create this universe. Yeah. And as I dive in deeper into the medical text in those science textbooks, you see a, a creation that is unlike anything that we can even dream of creating um, in, in our human minds. And so um, science is not the antithesis of God. Science mm -hmm. is the revelation of a, a wonderful and beautiful mm -hmm. creator um, who has made our bodies ready for novel viruses that they've never seen before. Our bodies are constantly fighting off things that they've never seen before in amazing ways. And so I think we need to first, you know, rest on the fact that as you guys have all mentioned that our, our God has created our bodies in an amazing way. And um, I love science. I love medicine. I love learning about it. I love being there, you know, for um, people when they get into these types of situations. And um, as you've seen, you know, the situations can really strip people down to the core of who they are, you know, probably even past the core of who they are. You know, um, things are so vulnerable in those moments. And um, it's a really unique opportunity as a Christ follower to kind of step into that pain, you know, all of the, the hurt and the unknown and the fear that is there and be able to be God's hands and feet in that process. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you talk about it often, how um, worship is the same word for work. And mm -hmm. uh, for me, I'm often worshiping um, even more in my science textbooks and my medical textbooks than I am on Sunday mornings. Bless because God, I love what he has done and, yeah. and just the beauty. And I love being a teammate in him, you know, and, and being able mm -hmm. to be um, on the front lines of this. So, we know and we've experienced how God can heal instantly. You know, he's done it many times in the Bible. He's done it many times in our own lives. Um, I'm sure you've seen it on the medical field. And so we trust that he can do that if that's his plan. But sometimes that's not his plan. You know, sometimes there are longer journeys. Sometimes there are unanswers, you know, or uncurable at this point, you know, quote unquote, as the world says. But um, that that firm foundation of God being in control, you know, is kind of where we're able to, to rest our hands. And, and I love as, as being someone who loves God and is in the medical field, being in a position to um, be his hands and feet sometimes. You know, sometimes there are medicines that I have access to that I can prescribe that are very much God's hand entering into a, a situation mm -hmm. and um, helping people yeah. heal you know, through those methods. And so um, his hands and feet sometimes look differently and I just love being on his team yeah. in that. In and how much realm. does that apply to your situations right now? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, as we, you know, as you've heard, they've said it better than I could ever say, you know, we see in the healthcare world how these health situations strip people down, you know, yeah. and there is that unique ability. That's why we in medicine a lot of times go into it because we want to be there. We want to be, you know, with the people who are hurting and suffering the most and be able to help them through these times. And so, um, you know, sometimes it's very tangible where God is in the situation, praying with patients, you know, doing all of those things. And um, other times it's, it's more subtle. You know, I'm ministering to the people in my, in my office um, by loving them well, by studying well, by knowing this information well, you know, so that they can be um, one step closer to knowing God in an intimate way um, through that process. And so these, we live in such an, a, a, 
an amazing time as far as science goes. You know, if we were to see these, this virus 100 years ago, um, there's no telling, you know, what kind of fear and, and everything that could be going on. And God has really allowed us um, a, a gift in modern medicine, in the knowledge of flattening, and flattening the curve, in, um, in being able to work on vaccines and, you know, have these treatments that are, are in process. And so, Let's, let's rejoice in the fact that, you know, we have already, you know, so many blessings in this process, so much information, you know, we're doing so many things ahead of time instead of reactionary, mm -hmm. you know, in order to, to prevent this from being what it could be. And so, um, praise God for that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that transitions a little bit over into this virus in particular, you know, so there's, there is a lot of fear regarding this. And I, I think in a lot of times, you know, there is a lot of information out there, some of it good, some not so good. Who do you listen to and how do you know, mm -hmm. you know, what steps to take? I think um, there, are there are many more unanswered questions than there are answered questions. You know, so anyone who's telling you they have all the answers, I think, don't listen to them. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> but I think the thing that's been most comforting to me in this whole process is that um, the, the people who seem to have the least amount of fear are two groups. Um, people in the medical field. Mm -hmm and people have firm foundations in their faith in Jesus Christ. Hmm. And um, when you know the bus driver, as you look out the bus window, you know, <laughs> and, and everything, all this wreckage is kind of passing you by, um, it, it's comforting to know that you're not driving the bus. You, yeah. you have a bus driver who knows where he's going, he knows the plan, he's five steps ahead, and that's where we can find this, this piece that surpasses understanding, is that we have a firm foundation in a God who's not only a good father, you know, but so yeah. much more than that, you know, beyond our, our, um, our knowledge abilities. And he is five steps ahead. So he, he's not surprised by coronavirus. He's not surprised by the new virus that comes through five years from now. He's not surprised by the new black plague that we don't have cures for and is higher than, more deadly than what this is. There will be these things. We've been warned about that in Revelation. Mm -hmm. And so let's use this as a springboard to firm up those foundations on who is really in control and, and go from there. So, you know, I, I don't want to be, you know, putting any like prescriptive things on exactly what mm -hmm. to do because we really don't know exactly what to do. I think we need to continue to follow, you know, the recommendations based on the state organizations that have the best, you know, um, infectious disease doctors and things that are working on, okay, what do we do at this point? But um, I think as Christians, we've already mentioned to it, find ways where you can be the hands and feet of Christ okay. and, and be the body and love the most vulnerable well. For the vast majority of us, this is going to be not all that scary. Um, yeah. And there are people who this is going to be scary for, and we need to love them well, you know, by looking out for them. And um, that being said, as... You know, if you are the individuals who are going to be um, healthier, you know, and be able to fight through this with minimal difficulties, um, don't go to the hospitals. Um, you you may feel sick, you may feel ill, you know, yeah. but if you're feeling those things, stay home and stay away from the hospitals because there are going to be people who get sick who really need to be there. And we, the idea of flattening the curve is giving us enough time and resources in order to help the people who are going to be more critically ill in that time. And so um, don't, don't panic. 
<laughs> that, you know, I think fear, you know, kind of transitions into that panic. And yeah. um, that ability to not panic comes from understanding who really is, is in control of this, as you guys have already mentioned. You know, I, being on my side of the chair in the doctor's office is a lot easier sometimes than um, yeah. what it can be when it's your family member, when it's your life, when it's, you know, all of those different situations. But... Um, I guess that's all I got to say about that. Man, I'm sitting here, and I know the elders and staff that are here. We can't believe that this is our church, that people like this are part of our family. Just grateful. You guys are, we love you guys so much, respect you, admire you, are following you, want to be like you, and uh, thank you so much. I wish you could hear a great applause from uh, this room full of people. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Love you brother. We can hug. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Thank you, brother. I don't want to get, yes, okay. All right, I'm not quite done yet. Uh, I want 10 minutes of coach in the locker room time. Two things for our church. I'll be as brief as possible. Number one, we must creatively continue to care for each other. And I use the word creative because I think it's gonna take some creativity. Um, we need to connect with each other creatively. And I'm gonna put that ball in your court. Um, I'm, I'm gonna ask for you to get God's heart, to seek God's heart on, on what he's asking of you, uh, names of people he's, he's placing on your lap, things that he wants you to do. Uh, we cannot waste this opportunity by just retreating and watching Netflix. There is an opportunity here for the church to rise up and be the church and to pursue people, the people of this church, the people that we know, but even going beyond that, uh, our neighbors, things like that. So again, it's, it, it's not bravado that I'm calling you to. I'm calling you basically to seek God and get his heart and to simply do what he's asking you to do. Because I know he's going to call us to continue to care for each other, uh, to connect with each other. I mean, I had it in my notes this morning to meet together, but I took that out because I don't even know if, if, if that's right. Um, that is something that we have to get God's heart on uh, in this season. The second thing, question that we regularly ask of Crossroads, who are you? What are you doing here? We can't forget in this season who we are and why we're here. And it just brought my mind to 
the Israelites in the, in the Old Testament narrative when the Babylonians came in and destroyed their life as they knew it, exiled them back to this place called Babylon, which in their mind is the word Babel, which means chaos, which is what the reality was essentially turned into, chaos. And, and into this situation, prophets spoke because the people are like, what do we do? What do we do in this place? And some of the prophets said, just wait, in two years, God is gonna restore us back to the land and make everything right. But then God raises up his prophet, Jeremiah, and God has some words that he wants with his people through Jeremiah. And, and, and these are essentially God's marching orders to his people in this situation. It's Jeremiah speaking, speaking the very words of God. Jeremiah 29, verse four. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all of those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce, marry, have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons, give your daughters into marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase there, do not decrease. Fascinating. Essentially, <laughs> telling them to not stop living. Telling them to settle there, build things, make things, eat their food, buy and sell, participate in business. Don't stay on the fringe. Don't settle on the outskirts. Don't play it safe. Move in, all the way in. And I love this, how he says, don't decrease, but increase. And I don't think he's talking just numerically there. I think he's saying, in light of all that I have called you to be as my people, don't shrink back, don't fade away, but maximize who I've made you to be, what I've called you to do. Don't decrease, but increase. I want us to hear that. But he's not done because, listen to what God says next through Jeremiah. He says, also seek the peace and prosperity of this city, Babylon, to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So when God says to seek the peace and prosperity of Babylon, in the original language, the Hebrew, peace and prosperity are not two different words. It's the same word used twice. It's the Hebrew word shalom. Shalom, we know, means peace. It means prosperity. It means flourishing. Shalom, shalom, the coupling of this, as we see this here, means perfect peace. It means this abundance of prosperity and flourishing. And what God is telling his people is to seek the shalom, shalom of Babylon, who is actually the perpetrator of the chaos that they're in. 
pray to the Lord that he would shower shalom, shalom upon Babylon. Here's what God is saying to his people. You're in this city that you think is chaos, but you're my city. And I've brought you here. I've placed you here. And I want you, I I, want to push you into the heart of this city to bring shalom to the chaos of this city. And I think Jesus says the same thing to us in the Sermon on the Mount. When he says to his followers, he says, you are a city placed on a hill. As Christ's followers, we are called to be the city of God. A chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy city. And let me tell you what this means for us right now. It means that we are not here for ourselves. We are not to use the city that God has placed us for personal advancement or to exploit our city for selfish ends. It doesn't mean that we're here for our, our tribe or to take from this city to benefit our tribe. Crossroads as a church isn't even here to build a great church. We are here for our city. To move in, that God would push the distinct calling and the distinct thing that he has made us to be, we are to push that into our city so we can be shalom, people of shalom, people of peace, people who are seeking the shalom of of Grand Rapids, who are praying the shalom into our city. And I'm preaching to the choir right now because this has been what Crossroads has been about almost from the beginning. Um, We're inspired by our brothers and sisters who've gone before us. Rodney Starks writes a book as a Christian, Christian sociologist trying to figure out how Christianity went from being this small fringe movement in the first century to literally four centuries later transforming the whole Roman Empire where, where, where so much of it uh, became Christian. In his book, he has a whole chapter devoted to plagues and earthquakes because these plagues and these earthquakes would come. And, and we have things in our history. Uh, Dionysius in, in 280 uh, AD, after one of these great plagues hit the Roman Empire, where one out of three people died, including the emperor. He writes how the pagans, when the plagues hit, they just left. They fleed immediately. The Christians, however, this is what he writes. 
Not yet, not that one. Most of our brother, brothers and sisters, are, the Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attended to their every need, and ministering to them in the name of Christ. And with them, some departed this life serenely happy. The Christians stayed. And, and, and they moved into this. And some of them even lost their lives in trying to save lives. <laughs> so you can imagine what happened. When the plagues passed, the sick got better. They'd look at these Christians and be like, what are you doing here? Like, why did you stay? And the Christians would say, well, we're not afraid of death. And we're not even here for ourselves. We are here for the peace, the shalom, shalom of this city. And so as all these competing religions and worldviews were, were, were competing for the heart of Rome, it was Christianity that won the hearts of the Roman Empire. And think about how they did this. They, they, they transferred Rome, the Babylon of their day, not by seeking power or trying to take over or putting the right people in office, but rather by giving up power, by giving up their lives day by day, week by week, my life for your life. And this changed the world. And where do they get the passion and the power and the freedom to be where, the, where they're free from, from needing to take and, and, and free from needing to hoard, free from, from needing to climb to the top, free to give up their time, their resources, even their life? Well, this is the quote. It says, many of, this is from um, Dionysius writing in 280 BC. He says, describing the Christians, many as they nursed and cared for the sick, transferred the death of the dying to themselves and died in their place. We know a God. We follow a God who cared for our sick souls and transferred our death upon himself and died in our place. And when this burns, burns in our hearts, how can we not care for the world in light of what Christ has done for us? So crossroads, <laughs> uh, a royal priesthood, my fellow priests, pastors, missionaries. It's game on. <laughs> it's time for us to move in, to hit the playing field. And let me end with these last words from Jeremiah 29. 
These are God's words to his people then. They're God's words to us today. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And then you will call on me and you will come and you'll pray to me. I will listen to you and you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. So those are our marching orders. Let's be excited about it. God, would you just grant us the grace and the shalom of Christ to fill our hearts, our homes, our relationships, for us to be all that you are calling us to be for such a time as this, for the sake of our city and for the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm gonna ask for uh, all the elders and staff to come up here to conclude our, our time. Let's make this kind of quick, you guys. All right, Jeremiah, what a name, man. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Jeremiah is our city pastor and he has some opportunities for us. Um, just in light of what Rod was saying, I mean, I know a lot of, you know, things have been canceled. We've got schools canceled, events, even workplaces. Um, but just to follow up what Rod said, what doesn't change is the nature and character of God and who he is and his power in this. And also our marching orders to be this kingdom of priests that doesn't change. And our verse this year is to walk as Jesus walked. And so I think we have an awesome opportunity as we step into this, this season to see what God wants to do in and through us. And we've already gotten many emails from people within our church here. And I love that saying, what can we do? And I think that just is a testament to our community here. And so we've created on our website um, opportunities. So we've reached out to a lot of our city partners to say, how can we serve you all? How can we walk with you as you're walking with some of the most vulnerable people in our population in this time? And so that's an ongoing working document that's gonna be continued to being updated as they're trying to figure out as well what this is gonna look like. Um, but also just prayer. Prayer is a huge thing that we all can be doing and a part of. And Tim Collier in the boiler room, they're actually putting together a 24-7 prayer initiative that's going to start tomorrow and we'll have that on our website as well if you'd like to sign up for one of those slots i believe it's going to be nation probably even worldwide um, and also some zoom calls where you can pray corporately like you're talking about some of those creative um, spaces of encountering each other and encountering god so we just want to continue to pray for god to give us wisdom and insight to be this kingdom of priests that is living out this, this call to love God with all that we are and love our neighbor. So awesome. Love it. That's awesome. Jer, thanks for putting all that together. Lauren, thank you for putting our website together. <laughs> Doing awesome. <laughs> and I would like an elder and a staff person to close us in prayer. And then Will will end us with blessing through song. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, 
the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow tired or weary. And his understanding no one can fathom. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I will be your God. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that circumstances and diseases and sicknesses are nothing to you. That none of this that concerns us causes us to fear is any surprise. All you want from us is to look to you for our strength, not to ourselves. And so I pray for in these days and weeks ahead that we don't let fear be our ruler. We don't let the circumstances dictate who we are. But instead, as a church, as your hands and feet, help us to take the challenge Rod offered this morning and go out and do something to represent you. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you are our peace and that your peace dwells in our hearts. And Lord, I just ask that you would um, give us strength and give us courage as we are called to be your peace to our community and to the people in our lives. Lord, um, for the parents having tough conversations with their children, Lord, um, bring our children peace, um, calm their anxieties and their hearts. Lord, um, thank you. Thank you that we are part of a church in the city of Grand Rapids and that we are just a tiny piece of it and that we get to be your beacon in the middle of that. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Just like on Sunday morning, there's always audibles, right? So this is just an audible. Thanks for gathering with us this morning. We're gonna sing, oh, praise the name, just to close this time out. I cast my mind to Calvary But Jesus bled and died for me I see his wounds, his hands, his feet. My Savior on that cursed tree. His body, his body bound and drenched in tears. They laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance sealed by heavy stone, Messiah still and all alone. All right, come on, in your houses, let's sing it out. Oh, praise, and oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore, forevermore. The Son of Heaven rose again And oh, trampled death Where is your sting? The ages roll 
joining us this morning. Pray that you and your family are well. And um, yeah, stay tuned to the website and all other forms of media to see what we're doing uh, in the next couple weeks. Love you guys.